Well, good morning. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today we're going to be in Revelation 3. Uh, We're wrapping up this chapter today. So Revelation chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to put a graphic on the screen that will give you some instructions on how to find Revelation 3 if you're not sure how to find it. Also, we're in the Bible app. Uh, And so if you have that downloaded on your device, uh, you can actually follow the directions on the screen and locate the the message and the notes and the passages that we'll be uh, going through today in the Bible app. So feel free to to do that uh, as well if you would like to. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that my wife is a saint because it's not easy being married to me. Let me give you just one of many examples of why it's so difficult to be married to me. We used to live in Lake Havasu City. If you're not sure where that's at, think northwestern Arizona, kind of right off of Interstate 40 and the California state line. We lived up there for almost 10 years. Uh, We had this house the last few years we lived there, and it uh, it had this nice backyard. And if you went outside uh, into the backyard, you'd go out, and then you'd hang a left, uh, and you'd walk over to this big, expansive area and then you could hang another left and and we had a pool and it was great. And so it was summertime and uh, we had little Declan. Declan was only about nine months old and um, I I had to go do something. And so I'd been out in the backyard with Jana and the boys uh, and they're in the pool and they're relaxing and Jana's playing with little Declan in the water and he's having a great time. And I was like, okay guys, I, I gotta go. I love you, I'll see you later. And I get out of the pool and dry off and I walk around and I take that right hand turn towards the back door of the house and I I walk into the back door and as was my habit, I shut the door and I locked it and I walked on, changed clothes and I got in my car and I left. Take a minute. I get a call about 30 minutes later. Why did you do that? <laughs> do what, babe? I'm, I'm just, I had to go to work. She goes, you realize you locked the back door with your wife and your babies outside. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had, uh, it was just a habit, right? How many of you have that habit? You walk in uh, or you walk out and it's your habit to walk out, uh, walk back in and you lock the door, right? That's, that's what you do. Hopefully you're not locking someone you love out from being able to come in. But that's exactly what I've done. I, guys, I'll be honest, that's not the only time I've done it either. So if you come to my house uh, that I live in now here in Phoenix, you you open the slider to the backyard and you go out and we've got a great backyard and the boys love to play back there and we have a small pool and it is not uncommon at all for me to be in the pool with my wife and my kids and to get out and dry off and go in the house and shut the slider and click and keep on walking. I don't even think about it. It's just habit. And I'm upstairs getting dried off and changing clothes and I hear on the glass of the slider because I continually tend to lock my family out of my own house. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Have you ever done something like that? Some of you are going, oh, absolutely not. And some of you are like, yeah, sadly I have. Today's passage talks about a door that's being knocked on. Someone who's trying to gain access. And I want us to keep this idea in mind. We've, we've all locked ourselves out or locked someone out. But when it comes to our walk with Jesus, what are we locking out? Take your Bibles. Let's open up to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 19. Now, as you're finding Revelation 3.19, let me give you an update, uh, a recap of where, we're been, where we've been. We've been in this book of Revelation for many weeks now. Uh, chapter 1, John, who is the guy who wrote this, one of the uh, last remaining of Jesus' closest followers, he has this vision. And he's up in heaven in this vision, and he envisions the, the throne room of God. And in chapter 1, he encounters Jesus. And Jesus begins to describe to him these titles that Jesus has, these, these names. He's the creator, the beginning and the end, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And he's got all of these names that he is given because of his sovereignty, his power, his authority. And then in chapter 2, Jesus says, John... I want you to write down these seven letters that I'm going to dictate to you. And when you wake up from this vision, I want you to go and write these down and take these seven letters to seven churches in the known world at that time, in the, in the area where John was living. And we have systematically gone through each one of these letters. There's seven of them to seven churches and he has addressed each of these seven churches. Jesus has uh, talked about who he is to these seven churches. He has uh, commended them for their strengths and then brought up their weaknesses. He's called them to turn course, to repent, to, to get back in alignment with him. And then he's talked about what will happen if the church does or does not repent, come back in alignment. And the last church we studied last week, the church to Laodicea, that kind of just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Laodicea. And in that church, there's not a single strength given. I mentioned last week that this church is considered the weakest of all seven churches that Jesus writes to in this part of the Bible. But there's a little conclusion here. And scholars kind of go back and forth. Is this conclusion a part of the letter to Laodicea? Or is it part of a conclusion for all seven churches? I think it's a conclusion to all seven churches. And so I wanted to spend specific focused time on this short passage here starting in verse 19. So look down with me. Look at your Bibles or your apps. Revelation 3, 19 through 22. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. 
the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I've always heard this passage taught in a way that this is supposed to be, this is how we go share the gospel. That's what I've always heard this passage taught. Oh, well, you know, Jesus is knocking on the door of those who don't believe in Jesus. You know, this passage shows that. He's knocking on the door of the hearts of those who haven't come to Jesus. But guys, let's, let's look at where Jesus is in his conversation. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to you and I. He's talking to the church. This passage has nothing to do with speaking to those who don't believe in Jesus. It has everything to do with Jesus knocking on the door of your heart and my heart. It's about us. And that leads me to today's big idea. I'm not going to give you three or or five points. That's not my style. I like to give you one idea, one point that I want you to take home and, and think about and apply to your life. And today's big idea is this. It's very simple. Jesus is knocking. Will you answer? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He's knocking on the door of my heart. The question is, will we answer? You notice I've I've got a door here. And and let me just say a quick thank you to Tim Sauer for building this door kind of last minute for me. I had all these ideas and none of them worked. (laughs) And Tim made this happen. So I want to thank Tim for making this happen. But Imagine for a moment that we literally had a door to our heart. And our heart's not nice, let's be honest. Our heart's kind of jaded, it's broken, it's messed up because we are sinful people, right? And Jesus is standing at this door, He's knocking. This passage says he knocks and he calls. Hey, Chad, are are you home? I know you're home. Will you let me in? He's standing at your door. Let's be honest. Every single one of us have some area of our life That we've said, no, Jesus, you can't get in this part. This is mine. I'm not ready for you yet. I can't handle what you're going to do if I open this door. So go to the next door, and I'll tell you when I'm ready to open this one. We all have something, right? What is it in your life? That you've done that with Jesus. What is it that you've blocked? What is it in your life that you've said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord and my master. Except for this one thing. 
We've all got something. What is it for you? What is it that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart about? Let's take a a look at this passage in a little more depth. Look with me again in verse 19. He says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. You know, I'm the father of two little boys. I've got a five-year-old and a 12-year-old. And disciplining my boys is the hardest part of being a parent. I don't like disciplining. I'll be honest, I don't like who I am sometimes when I have to discipline. But isn't it so much worse if I just let my child, or children run free with no boundaries, no limitations, no discipline whatsoever? I alluded to this last week, but I want to unpack it a little further today. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 9 says this. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Catch this next part. If you are left without discipline in which you all in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Now stop there for just a second. Think with me for a moment. Don't we want to be the sons and daughters of God? If we are followers of Jesus, don't we want to be the one that he looks at and says, well done, my good and faithful child. Don't you want that? Or would you rather go to heaven, go to eternity, and he look at you and go, you're not my child. Because that's what an illegitimate is. That's what not a son is. Jesus is saying that true fathers, loving fathers, discipline. God, as a loving father, disciplines in a perfect way. You can think back to your own father And you can think back of the terrible ways that your father disciplined you. And the horrible ways that maybe even abuse took place. That's not God though. God is perfect. His discipline is perfectly balanced with love and self-control. Because if he was just to leave us to go wild in our sin, what would we do? We would live in that sin. We need good, godly, loving discipline from a loving, perfect father. Let's continue on. He says, besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? There's life in godly discipline. Now guys, if you were to go back and look at all seven letters and listen to the messages that we've covered over these last seven uh, letters of these churches, there's discipline in all of them. There's this encouragement to repent and the consequences if they do or do not repent. And that discipline is for our good. And he says, he's standing at the door. 
Look with me in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, and I will eat with him, and he with me. He's standing at the door of our hearts, and he's knocking. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus technically as the ruler of the universe, does not have to knock on your door, does he? Jesus has every authority to swing this door wide open without any of our permission. He is that powerful. He does have that authority in all of our lives. But guess what? He's not a savior or a master or a lord that forces himself on you or I. He's gracious. He walks with us patiently, doesn't he? How many times in your own life as you've walked with Jesus and you've gone through a period of time where you weren't following him the way you needed to follow him and he sat by and just patiently I can come in and fix this. I can come in and heal the damage, the hurt that is inside. I can redeem your situation, but I'm not going to force myself in. I can, but I won't. Because I want you to open the door to me and readily receive me so that I can redeem your situation in your time. See, he could just barge in, but he doesn't. He loves you too much to force himself. We all need different timelines for redemption, don't we? Some people go through redemption pretty quick And then some take a long, arduous, slow path towards redemption. And it doesn't matter if it's quick or if Jesus has to sit out here and wait for a little bit. He will stand at your door and he will knock asking to come in. He wants to redeem your situation wherever it may be. But, but the cool part is, is at the end of verse 20, he says, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. The idea here in this particular society and culture to go in and eat together was a very close, intimate action. You didn't just go to someone's house And go eat a meal. Eating together was symbolic. It had so much meaning behind it. That when you went to someone's house. And ate with them. It was an action of friendship. Of intimacy. Of of being included. When Jesus says that he will dine with us. If we let him in. He is saying I want to redeem. This intimate relationship that I have with you. If you'll open the door to this aspect of your life, 
I will come in and I'm not just going to clean your house. I'm going to come in and I'm going to sit down as a loving brother. And I'm going to walk you through this. Sitting and eating was an act of relationship. So he's knocking at the door of your heart. He's calling out to you from the other side. And here's the hard part. I've locked my wife and kids out of my house and left my house with them locked out. Guys, some of us in this room have got aspects of our lives where Jesus is knocking and we've said, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I'm not going to listen. And we've not just ignored the knock. We've gone to a place as far as we can go so that we cannot hear the knock. There are some aspects of our lives that we've neglected or we know for sure that we're in sin and we don't want to change, right? I kind of like the way this makes me feel. Or it's going to hurt too much. It's going to be too much work to have Jesus come in and, and change this. I'm not ready for this transformation that Jesus is going to do in my mind and my heart and my life. So instead of just recognizing that the door is there, I'm going to run away from the door. Because I can't stand to hear the knocking and the calling. And we've all got something. There's something in every one of our lives. There's something in my life as your pastor that God is knocking on our hearts. And he's gently saying, Chad, I want to come into this part of your life. You've left me out long enough. It's time for me to come in and redeem and repair and heal. And it's something different for every one of us. As I mentioned, maybe, maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe you've got some sin that you've been hiding, that you've been shameful about. And maybe today's the day where you answer that knock and you let Jesus come in and begin the process of helping you repent of that sin. Maybe you're not living out the fruit of the Spirit, like what these stained glass windows have on them. Maybe you struggle to be loving or patient or kind or gentle. Maybe you're not a very peaceful person. And maybe God's trying to help you to find some joy and find some peace and find some love. Maybe for you, it's some aspect that, uh, of your life. Maybe you've got a relationship that is not in alignment with him. And it's time that that relationship came under his authority. And there was change made in that relationship. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to go to, a person 
that you need to go to and apologize. Reconcile. Maybe there's some aspect of your life that uh, you've made an idol. Maybe there's something inside of you or in your lifestyle that if you were to be really honest with yourself and Jesus asked you to let go of this, you would either struggle or not be willing to let that go because you value it too much. You value it more than your Savior. Please hear me. Every one of us in this room, because we are sinners, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, and many other passages, we are all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory. We're not perfect. There's something that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart about. We all have that. Maybe you're here and Jesus is knocking on your heart and I told you... I. I told you this passage isn't about this, but I think there's a connection. Maybe Jesus is knocking on your heart because he wants you to believe in him for the first time. Maybe you've never come to the place where you've placed your trust and you've committed your life to Jesus. But maybe the idea of Jesus coming in and redeeming and healing And walking with you in a loving, patient relationship, maybe that's something that right now in this moment of your life, that's something you need. And please hear me, if you're here and you've never placed your trust, your belief in Jesus, and you've got questions or you want to make that kind of a commitment right now, here in a moment, and this is going to be for everybody, but if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, we're going to open up our altar. I know the altar looks a little weird right now. But we're going to open this place up to you. And if you're ready to accept Jesus or you've got questions, I want you to come up here. I'm going to be up here. Pastor Josh, uh, our family pastor, is going to be up here. Pastor Keith will be available. And I want you to ask whatever questions you've got. Or if you're ready to make that commitment, let us walk you through what that looks like. But if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've never believed in Him and placed your trust in Him, We want to give you that opportunity today. Because I want you to not miss what verses 21 and 22 say. He says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. When we think of thrones, we think of this single chair. But in Roman times, most thrones had two seats. It's, it's what's called a basellium. It was the most common type of throne back then, a two-seater. And when Jesus is throwing out this imagery, it's almost like a three-seater. There's God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is amongst them. And He places us on His throne with Him as conquerors. You see, as followers of Jesus, we can't just stay where we're at. When Jesus knocks on our door, as uncomfortable as it may be, as much as we might might not want to do it, we've got to open the door to him. We've got to be willing to say, yes, Jesus, 
I know this is not going to be easy for me, but I know I need to do it. Please come in. Please. It's a mess in here. And I can't clean it up. I can't fix it. I need you. Please hear me. That's the beauty of following Jesus. He doesn't knock on our door and look in and go, oh, you need to clean that mess up before I come in. He looks in and goes, come with me and let me clean this for you. Let me clean your heart. Let me clean your life. All of those tears, all of those breaks, all of those cuts, let me heal you. He's not wanting to come in the door so that he can condemn you. He wants to come in the door so he can fix you and heal you. That's why he knocks. He's like a doctor that you've called. He doesn't ask you to fix yourself before he comes in. He knocks and says, I'm ready to heal you now. Let me in. What do you need healing from today? He's knocking. But here's the question, are you willing to answer and open? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little different today. You may have noticed that we didn't have a, a focused time of prayer like we normally do in our services. Because right now we're going to have a focused time of prayer. And that focused time of prayer is going to be for all of us. I'm not going to stand up here and go to the Lord and you nod your head in agreement. I'm going to open up in prayer and I want you to stand from where you're at or go to your knees, come to the altar, and I want you to ask the Lord, what is it that I haven't opened the door to you? What door have I kept shut to you? I know I need to let you in, but what is it that I have not opened to you and that I need to open now? Let this be a time, as we come into Easter season, let this be a time where we come in renewed because we've opened that door that we've kept shut to him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open us up in prayer. And John's going to lightly play some music in the background. And then I'm going to go silent. And I want you right where you're at to start asking the Lord to tell you, to reveal to you what it is that you need to open to him. What it is that he's been asking you to allow him to heal, to transform. And let the Holy Spirit begin doing that work on your heart. I would encourage you, come down. Come down here to the altar. Go to your knees for, for a time in your life. And be vulnerable in the eyes of your Savior. Allow him to make the changes that he's been asking you to let him in and change. And then I'll come up at the end and I'll wrap us up and we'll, we'll have a song where we close and, and worship and adore our Savior. So what kind of response is the Lord asking you to give? Let me tell you right now, if you're sitting there going, I don't think there's anything in my life that needs to be changed, you're probably the one that needs to be changed the most. 
I'm going to be honest. If you are sitting at your seat and you're going, well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's pride then. Because we all have something. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for patiently sitting, standing at the door of our heart and knocking and just thank you for not forcing yourself on us. Thank you for not pushing, but thank you for being gentle and patient. Help us right now to be vulnerable, Lord. Help us to be willing to be transformed, to be changed by you. Help us to not take the transformation that you have for our lives. Help us to not take that lightly. But instead, to truly seek your spirit, your wisdom, your knowledge about what it is that you want to do in our hearts. God, fix us and heal us. I want you to respond however God is calling you to respond. If you want to come forward, come forward. If you want to go to your knees right where you're at, do that. But take a moment and ask the Lord what it is that He is asking to come into your life. What is it that you've held back, that you've not opened up to Him? God, we thank You. We thank You so much for who you are and what you do in our lives. God, we thank you for the way you bring transformation into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to do this on our own. You don't expect us to be our own savior, but instead you come in your power. You bring redemption. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you don't leave us to ourselves. You don't expect us to earn our salvation or our healing. You don't expect us to do it ourselves. You come and do it for us because you love us that much. Lord, I pray for every single one of us sitting in this room, everyone online right now. Lord, I pray that this day, this week, this month, that you would continually work that, that beautiful work of redemption in our lives. Our lives are messes. Our hearts and our minds are messes. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to open the door to those parts of our lives so that you can come in and help clean us up to redeem us to heal us. Lord, help us to be willing to do it. Give us the strength and the courage that it takes to open that door to you. Help us to not ignore the door anymore. Help us to not ignore the knocks that we hear in our spirit. But instead we ask that we would open that door and that you would dine with us. That we would accept your dinner invitation to redeem our relationship with you. We can't do it. 
We can't do it on our own. We need you. So we pray you would do that work in our lives and our hearts. Change us. Transform us. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in our Savior's name, Jesus' name. Amen.